Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. Several years ago, I joined a group of like-minded people engaged in promoting local business ventures. After reading the documents that included a mission statement, membership requirements, and governing structure, I signed up, paid my initiation fees and annual dues. And as an active participant, I attended meetings, followed the rules, and worked to achieve our goals. There were a few oddballs, several small cliches, but the overall effort proceeded as promised. Over time, I noticed that the group activity became stagnant. Some leaders and members were not performing according to the rules, and I suspected they were possibly involved in some dishonest alliances. Hoping that a change in leadership might rejuvenate the group, I ran successfully for a seat on the governing board. At first, I was able to make modifications in operating procedures. Unfortunately, there was enormous inertia against positive change, and I discovered that the leader's intentions were no longer acceptable. After carefully assessing the overall situation, I realized that the group was not willing or able to regain its original values. Therefore, I resigned from the group and began searching for alternatives. Having endured and overthrown the tyranny of King George, the citizens of our new nation were unwilling to submit to uncontrolled executive authority. There were vigorous debates in each state during the ratification conventions that revolved around the key issues, the legality of the convention itself, executive authority, federal government powers, slavery, and of course, writing down the Bill of Rights, enumerating the rights of individuals. Choosing to join the union was clearly a voluntary decision made by each of the sovereign states with the consent of their citizens. It follows, therefore, that each state retained the constitutional authority to modify or disobey unconstitutional laws and even leave the union. Our founders did, in fact, give us the tools to combat the unconstitutional usurpation of power by the federal government, namely nullification, including jury nullification, interposition, and secession, all of which they expected to be invoked by a moral, informed body of sovereign citizens in each sovereign state. 
In the decades 1828 to 1860, prior to the war between the states or the war of northern aggression, the agrarian southern states suffered economic burdens imposed through congressional legislation that favored the industrialized northern states. Having failed to be able to negotiate a compromise solution and having voluntarily joined the United States nearly a century earlier, the southern states exercised what they considered their rightful remedy and seceded from the Union. At that time, the division in the nation was extreme and deep. Angry words and provocations were plentiful. As is so often the case, one single act proved to be the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. Having voted to secede in December 1860, South Carolina demanded the federal government abandon federally owned property, including Fort Sumter in Charleston Harbor. Abraham Lincoln attempted to resupply the besieged fort in April 1861. The South Carolina militia opened fire, and the war began. Like our nation in 1775 and in 1860, we are deeply divided now. We are on the precipice, sitting on the horns of a dilemma, but a dilemma that could be easily solved. Accomplishing the detente, however, would defy the wisdom of King Solomon. One side, made up of pathological, arrogant control freaks, is fanatically intent on ruling the world. The other side, made up of sovereign individuals, just wants to be left alone to live a life of individual freedom. Compromise, unfortunately, is not an option. Are you willing voluntarily to give up any one of your individual rights and in return increase your degree of involuntary servitude? Hell no. No one can predict the future, but history can always be a guide to the options and possibilities that lie ahead. Given the serious and dangerous situation in which we now find ourselves, individually and nationally, my idea was to find a true out-of-the-box thinker to guide us into the cloudy, murky, and still invisible future. So after commercial break, I will welcome our guest, Tom Luongo, to Freedom Forum Radio. He is a true Renaissance man with many skills and interests, some of which I share, many of which I share. He is the purveyor of his own blog, Gold Goats and Guns Newsletter. And we'll be right back after Tom Luongo sent me an obligatory, uh, obligatory bio that is 644 words long. And I will abstract a bit of that information. Tom Luongo is a former research chemist, amateur dairy goat farmer, anarcho-libertarian, and obstreperous Austrian economist. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm loving reading this to you because uh, I think this is great. And now I'm going to say another part of his obligatory bio, and this is for Tom's wife, 
and I know she's probably going to listen to this, and so I want her to know that uh, Tom says, I have a fantastic wife of 25 years and a young daughter, both of whom humble me with affection and respect, I feel is wholly undeserved. And, and that's really great. Uh, that's why I'm reading that. And he has spent hours working inside various analytic laboratories testing your water and soil for contaminants or in university research assessing how your process arsenic, how you process arsenic, which is found, and how to get rid of it. Tom also ran for Florida House once and got 2.7% of the vote on Guy Fawkes Day. That's good. And, of course, today, as I said, he's the owner of the blog, um, the blog TomLuongo.me and the publisher of Gold, Goats, and Guns newsletter. And he attempts therein to connect the false narratives of geopolitics with viable long-term investment theses. Here are some of the things that he thinks. I, and I'm going to quote, I don't believe the man-made global warming story is worth the electrons that peer-reviewed literature is disseminated on. Those are data sets so dirty I wouldn't feed them to my dogs. Tom, I wholeheartedly agree. That whole thing is BS, as you well know, and it's not science. And in terms of politics, this is a quote, individuals are the only people with enough knowledge about their own lives to have a hope of making the right decisions for themselves, and no amount of guidance or central planning can help the process along. All interactions between people should be peaceful and voluntary, free from the coercive power of the state in all guises. In short, I'm a libertarian who distrusts, distrusts all human organizations larger than a two-handed poker game. And here's, I like these last two. I raise some goats, goats and milk them, and I own a few guns. Tom Luongo, welcome to Freedom Forum Radio. Thank you, Dr. Dan. I appreciate the, uh, the invite and the uh, uh, unbelievable uh, introduction. Thank you. Well, you wrote the introduction, and it's unbelievable because I think that this is going to be an incredible discussion. I came to you because I read two articles that you had written, and they both are kind of connected and very, uh, very important about uh, today's times. One is called Less Electoral College, No More Electoral College, and the other one is End the Great American Myth, Secession, not revolution. And I'm going to turn the floor over to you, Tom Luongo, to start off the discussion as you see fit. And let's, and I'm sure, by the way, that we will have a great discussion. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Um, to, thank you. And to, to, to start out with, I, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I, secession is always something that I, I argue all the time. I remember a long time ago, I've written for, I remember when I was a blogger years ago, I used to submit an article every once in a while to lourockwell.com. And I, and the, I, I remember when Lou changed the, the tagline for Lou Rockwell from anti-state, uh, anti-empire pro 
pro freedom or some whatever it is to opt out of the state. And I remember sending Lou an email and I said, Lou, I really like the change. He if, eventually he's put it back to the original one, which is there today. But I said, I really like this change because it's a positive statement of action. You will opt out of the state. It's not you're against these things, but you're pro this. And you're I don't like leading with negative ideas. I generally want to lead with positive statements of positive action as opposed to negative action. No, not that negative action or, or, or the antithesis of action is bad, just that it's almost always better to assert a positive framework. So opting out of the state is the ultimate uh, expression of what secession is. And I think that, you know, whenever we come into a political problem of any kind, uh, it doesn't matter if it's in our household or, or you know, at, at the county level or the state level or the national level or even the global level, that the what doesn't work for a particular person, they always have the opportunity to opt out of whatever organization that they uh, have found themselves to be a part of, because it's that's the only way they can assess for themselves the, what's best for them in their in their worldview, because they have to be the people who understand their life best. And all arguments of collectivism to the contrary are just so much hand waving and frankly, generalization and, um, and excuses, I think for tyranny and for the authoritarian impulse. And that's so, and, and revolution versus secession is a very interesting problem because revolution in and of itself is a dangerous act because it says that you, you want to impose whatever system you believe on uh, in on people who may or may not want that as opposed to walking away from people who are trying to oppress you. And so I think that we're being, you know, in your very eloquent monologue, you touched on a couple of things that I really thought were fascinating. And, and um, which is that we, I think we're being led towards that today, that what the desire, and that's what I was getting at in the article, like the, the, uh, the, the desire to get people so angry that they're willing to rise up and do something dumb, like become the very thing that we're fighting against. And that's what that's actually really quite scares me. So, well, you know, opting out, uh, Tom is, is really the essence of freedom. Exactly. That's exercising your freedom of choice. That's what you, when you are free, you can be free to opt out, mm-hmm. which was uh, the purpose of that. The the story I made up in the, in the beginning is, you know, you join something, you have a set of, of written rules or regulations or whatever, and you agree to them. And then when the group does not uphold and and departs from its from its goals and rules, then you have the option of either trying to change them. And if you can't, then you can just drop out. Exactly. So what happens, though, if like in uh, Lincoln's time in the War of Northern Aggression, he said, I'm not going to let you opt out. Well, how does that work? Well, then you're going to have to do what the South did, which is to fight. And you're going to fight to defend yourself. The problem, of course, with the narrative that was created in uh, in and around Fort Sumter was that Lincoln knew very well what he was doing when he resupplied Fort Sumter. He was creating uh, a situation that would hopefully create the opportunity for him to be able to sell the fact that the South fired first and that they lost the moral authority. 
uh, on as, as to what they were doing, which was t- they had taken over federal property. Uh, at the end of the day, Lincoln was only able to do that because he was in a superior position militarily and, and industrial, you know, his, the industrial capacity was far higher. So, you know, you're going to have to fight. And we're in that same position today where you, we may have to in the, 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 we may have to do that today, but the the question is, is what is that fight going to look like? And, you know, I'm not a Randian, right. I've read enough Ayn Rand to, um, to I've read enough Ayn Rand. Let's just put it that way. John Galt and Atlas Shrugged wasn't wrong that you walk away from, you know, the people who are trying to oppress you and you don't give them your best. You opt out. And if they won't let you leave, well, and then you just say, well, I'm not going to give you my best work. And that's a form of opting out. Um, and that eventually will destroy the system through inertia, right? And through uh, a lack of efficiency and a lack of uh, production. And uh, eventually, you know, there's just not enough goods being produced of a sufficient quality to actually keep the, the the society running. And that was the lesson of Atlas Shrugged. And that's really the lesson of, of you know, other attempts at communism in the past, uh, be it the Soviet Union or you know, Cambodia or whatever. So, uh, but yeah, you're going to have to fight. So in the article, what you say is that we now really are in a better position uh, to do what the South tried to do, but we, but they failed. Mm-hmm. And you suggest we simply walk away no more. And you had a very cogent argument in your article about why we are in a better position to do that now uh, than the South was in 1860. Mm-hmm. And, oh, the, and that article is very, and that argument, sorry, is very simple that, you know, back in 1860, you know, the food production was a lot more decentralized. There was a lot more pervasive. It was a lot higher proportion of the society. We were on the cusp of becoming an industrial society versus an agrarian society. And today we're a fully industrialized society on the verge of becoming, if you listen to Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, an information society, Right. Or a consumer and and uh, and and uh, and in technology technological society and not an agrarian one and, and growing food is you know almost you know de rigueur. So, but that's not the case today. The case today, you know, back then, food, the basic infrastructure, all of that was much more pervasive. Everybody had skills. Um, there was never going to be a lack of basic uh, sustenance. You know. In that respect, today, on the other hand, the mega cities of today can only exist with the, uh, at the at, honestly, at the largesse of the agrarian states, the rural counties, and that make up most of the landmass of this country. Um, they can only exist as long as we continue producing. If we all decide to go galt, or more appropriately, the truckers all decide to park their rigs on bridges. Uh, and a mass uh, uh, civil disobedience. Uh, what are they going to do? What's Nancy Pelosi going to? How's she going to refill her her, uh, her ice cream freezer? Right. If if the division of labor collapses in that respect, how is how how are they going to 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 continue? So the argument today is that the people who grow the food, maintain the power lines, maintain the power plants, honestly refill the diesel generators that keep the uh, the 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 spent reactor rod pools at the nuclear power plants from melting down, right? If if those people don't show up to work, or we just they walk away and say, look, we're not going to ship you goods anymore. 
what are you going to do in Atlanta? What are you going to do in New York or Chicago? Because you don't grow any food. You've got four days worth of food. And that's about it. Now, what are you going to do? And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The rights to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Me original sin. Me railroad steel. Muddy waters. And people I just love to hear that old man sing. Yeah, when I play the hoochie coochie man, I get joy in everything. Everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning.